I'm breaking rule number one of public speaking, which is don't follow pictures of really cute children. But uh, we've been partnering with Children's Desk for years, and I hope you get some time after service to visit the table out there and take a look. If, if you're not able to sponsor a child, you certainly can take a card and pray over the ministry there and uh, in our partnership with them that'll be ongoing. Uh, it's great to be here with you. It's always an honor to be able to explore the scripture together. Um, we are continuing our series, Faith Works, looking at the book of James. In fact, this morning we'll be finishing up chapter one of James. And, and so far, we've, we've really discovered, James has very clearly expressed to us that God wants to give us wisdom. In fact, wisdom is ours for the asking. Now, he gives us a caveat. He says, if you're asking for wisdom, then you need to ask in such a way that you actually want to receive and, and do what he gives you. In other words, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but there's times in my journey uh, where I will ask God for wisdom and, and sort of put it up against all the other options. And, and what James says is, well, really, if you're asking God for wisdom, you're admitting that he is the option. And so ask and expect to receive and expect to be able to, to walk then in that wisdom. And he also says that not only is God able to give us wisdom, it's, it's his character. It's what he wants to do. He desires to help us live the life of freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, to have the wisdom to do that uh, in all the circumstances of life. And so the questions that sort of arise from this amazing opportunity to ask for wisdom from the God, the creator of everything, and to be able to walk in it, is what exactly does an individual look like who's controlled by the wisdom of God? What does a person act like who is uh, living with this new nature that they've received as followers of Jesus Christ? And that's what James is going to answer for us in just these two verses that close chapter 1 of James. And so together, let's look at what James writes to us. James 1, verse 26 and 27 if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so in these two verses, really, we have impregnated this, the answer to the question, what does a person who's following Jesus look like? What do they act like? What is sort of their, what's the marks in their life? And he talking, he's talking about genuine religion. Religion. Now it's interesting because this word religion or religious has been one of great debate within the church within recent years. And, and because maybe you've heard this, many will say that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. How many of you heard that? That's half true. Uh, Christianity is definitely a relationship. In other words, we, we enter into this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But obviously, James says it also has to do with religion, and I'm not going to argue with James. So what does James mean by religion then? If it's both a relationship and it, it, it has to do with religion, well, James would say this as you look at his writings in, in the totality of Scripture, that religion... It's the specific ways that a heart relationship with God is expressed in a believer's life. So Christianity is a relationship, but what we discover in the book of James is that what we do with that relationship expresses our religion. And he says genuine religion has certain marks. See, religion speaks of reflecting our Heavenly Father. You might have heard the saying, like father, like child. 
And those who are followers of Jesus Christ should reflect Jesus Christ. That's what religion is. It's a reflection of who God is in and through our lives. A believer should be marked with godly fruit. And so that's what James does for us in verses 26 and 27 of chapter 1. He answers the question, what are some marks of the Christian life? And I want to be really clear here. He shares three marks, but they're not the only marks. That when you look through all of Scripture, there are other marks of followers of Jesus, but he highlights three crucial marks of those who follow the Lord to have genuine religion. And so look at James 1.26 again with me. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. A mark of genuine religion is a controlled tongue. Now, I think one of the reasons why this word religion and and the idea of being religious is somewhat debatable within churches is because some people have a misunderstanding of what genuine religion is. You, You may hear someone say, oh, you go to church, you must be religious. And the reality is that going to church, although a spiritual discipline, the scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of one another. We're to gather together to put the glory of God on display. But that going to church doesn't make us religious. It just means we invested an hour or so on a Sunday morning to go somewhere. It's a good thing. I'm glad you're here, by the way. Be awkward to preach if you weren't. I'm glad those of you who are online are watching online and participating that way. And so it's not that this is a bad thing, just this isn't necessarily the high mark of Christianity. And so I think religion and religiosity has sort of gotten a bad word because people sort of associate simply going somewhere as being religious. And James says, no, 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 being religious is being a follower of Jesus and bearing his mark on our life. So James talks about then this mark of bridling our tongue. He's not saying that we're to be silent, we're to bridle it. And I think that word bridle is an interesting word. It speaks of the headgear used to control a horse. You know, the buckle straps around its head and the the bit that's attached to sort of direct it. And when we look at it that way, then we are to understand that our tongue is not to lose its power any more than a horse loses its power simply because it has a bridle on Its power is simply controlled. And so James says we're to control our tongue. It's not that we don't use our tongue. In fact, the reality of it is we're to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That takes words. And so it's not that we don't speak. It's it's how we speak that James is talking about. If we're religious and genuinely expressing our, our love for God, the words we use will definitely reflect it. James, earlier in the chapter, he says there's a couple of people that that look and evaluate themselves. He divides them into two categories. He says there are those who look into a mirror, and they look at themselves. They sort of create their own theology. They say, you know, how should I be as a Christian? They make it up themselves, and they look in the mirror, and they go, well, compared to how I think I should be, I'm looking pretty good. Then they walk away and sort of forget about it. And then there are those who look at the Word of God and allow the Word of God to sort of uh, look at our life, and we look in there, and we go, wow, I'm growing. There's, there's good stuff happening there. And then we look at other parts of Scripture, and we go, oh, holy ouch, there's some growth that needs to happen. And it's not about earning anything, and that's the good news, isn't it? And I think people misunderstand that when they look at us as believers and in our relationship to the Word of God. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about earning anything. Like, we've already been given everything. Amen, church? It's about living a life of freedom. 
It's about living a life of joy. It's about living the life that Christ has for us, to us, for us for, at the fullest. And so James says, when we look at the word of God, we realize that the word of God is words of hope, words of love. In a bridled tongue, a controlled tongue, controlled speech, will always speak words of life, not death. Will always build up, not tear down. And I was, I was really thinking about that. I'm reading through the book of Galatians right now, and, and Paul's speaking to this church that he, he really loves, but you can tell in his words he's a little frustrated with. Because they've been set free, and they're living as those who are still in bondage. They're allowing false teaching to bring them into this, this awkward relationship with one another and the world and the Lord. And, and so he, he constantly challenges them. He says, stop doing it. You know, and you go, well, that, is that words of life? Yeah, because he says, stop doing it because you've been set free. Live in freedom. So words that build up, words of life, aren't words that, that always sort of say things just to make people happy. They say things to help people head in the direction to be free in Jesus. But they're always words to build up. They're always with the intent of giving life, not death. I don't know if you've realized that my guess is every single person in this room has, but we live in a culture right now that has lost hope. We live in a culture where, where you know, people are, 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 are finding it difficult to make ends meet. And we have the power. We have the power to speak life into those conversations. We have the power to build up people in those conversations. Not, not to say things aren't difficult, but to realize that the God of the universe has given us the resources of heaven to prosper in his name, to have the joy in the midst of all circumstances. And so James says, look, if you're a follower of God's, then act like it. Speak like it. A mark of genuine religion is a controlled tongue. So then he shares a second mark, first part of verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So a mark of genuine religion is, is caring ministry. And, and the ministry of caring for people isn't limited to, to orphans and widows, but we know this is very close to God's heart. In fact, in Psalm 68.5, the psalmist wants to describe who God is. And listen to the words. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Now you go, wow. You know, we're looking at a verse that's dealing with orphans and widows. And we just talked about an orphanage. And wow, Craig, you must have really planned this. And the reality of it is I didn't. In fact, this morning, um, don't give me too much credit. I was on the way to church with my wife who was up here, Krista. And I said, it just hit me that we're going to be talking about children's nests and orphans, and, and the verse we're going to look at is talking about how we need to care for orphans. Isn't that amazing? And, and some of you are like, wow, that was well planned. No, only by God, because I had no clue until this morning. That's the honest to God truth. You can ask her. But why, why does he pick or, orphans and widows? Well, mostly because in that culture, they're the most vulnerable, and still today, among the most vulnerable around us. And so he picks these individuals to be specific, to say this is what caring ministry looks like. He doesn't want us to look at generalities. He could have said that a mark of a Christian is to be kind. And the reality of it is we should be, right? 
I mean, we should be. Nothing's worse than someone who says, oh yeah, I've met a Christian, right? I want people to go, oh yeah, I've met a Christian. But here's the reality. You don't have to be a Christian to be kind. And kindness sort of, to be honest with you, it should be somewhat of a given. And how do you compare kindness? I, you know, James doesn't want us to fall into that trap either. I mean, sometimes I'm driving down the road and, and someone will cut in front of me. And I don't go and cut them off. And I go, well, that was kind of me. Because I didn't do what I wanted to do. You follow what I'm saying? And so I, I was kind. That was kind. Or, 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 or I let someone get in line in front of me. And I go, oh, isn't that kind? And, and, and James would say, well, I guess. But it really doesn't express Christ. It's not out of the ordinary. You just were civil. <laughs> but kindness... It is something that a Christian should have, but this caring ministry to those who are the least among us, to those who need help, that expresses the very heart of God. Ministry. Ministry is really responding to authentic needs of others with the love of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's reflecting Christ. Think about Christ's ministry to us, the very love of Christ displayed on the cross at Calvary where Christ died in our stead for our good and our salvation. Ministry that is a partnership with the Lord, where he's already working and we come alongside him and, and literally say, God, I want to see your kingdom come, your will be done in this individual's life. It, it means we have to step out of a, a, a mindset of scarcity. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough money. How do I do this? And, and God says, well, I bet, I bet me as the creator of the universe, God's speaking to us. I bet I can give you everything you need to do what I'm calling you to do. Have you ever found that to be true? So many times we limit ourselves by what we see ourselves. And God says, don't. See me. I have no limits. Step out and see what I'll give you. I don't have enough energy. Step out and see the energy I'll fill you with. Much like wisdom, when we say, God, give it to me and I'll evaluate and see if it's something I want to do. All the resources of heaven are at our disposal, but only happen when we step out in faith. So many times I've heard people say, if I had a million dollars, then I would do that. If you won't do it when you don't have a million dollars, chances are you will not if you do. Come on now. But God has a, a little bit more than a million dollars. You want to get to lunch, don't you? Come on, encourage me this morning. He has everything. And so he says, look, I have this for you. And you say, I don't know if I can do that. And you go, what? With God, you can do all things. You can do all things with Christ Jesus. Isn't that the truth, church? I don't think I can forgive that person. Sure you can in Jesus. Not in your own strength. I don't know if I, man, isn't it interesting that James says the first mark is, spe is really speaking words of life into somebody? Because how important is that? That's why we gather together as a church, I believe, to put the glory of God on display, to share our testimonies, to, to speak words of life into each other. So that when we scatter in the power of Jesus Christ, we can do exactly what he's called us to do. We can be reminded of the truth. Reminded of the words of life. So we can give life to others. We can set them free. We can lift them up. Whether they be orphans, widows, a neighbor. You fill in the blank. 
James says it this way, don't just be knowers of God's love, knowers of the word. Be doers of God's love, doers of the word. We must love in action. So religion is pointless unless it corresponds to the heart and will of God. And a mark of such a person who's following after Jesus, a person with genuine religion in their life, is a person who's involved in caring for the needs of others. So we control our speech. We care for the needs of others. And then in the second part of verse 27 is the third mark. Keep oneself unstained from the world. What's James talking about here? Well, a genuine religion is is really found in personal holiness. What's personal holiness? Well, if our care for others in their need marks genuine religion, which is specific ways that a heart relationship with God is expressed in our lives as believers, then we have proof of our Lord's refining work in us. In other words, if, if we're seeing that God is, is, is helping us control our speech, speaking words of life, not death, to people's spirits, and if we find ourselves involved in caring ministry, but the very heart of Jesus is being formed in us, that's, a, that's, a, that, that's proof that Jesus is working in our life. Now here's the reality, we're all works in progress. You've heard me say this almost every week because it's so important we don't lose sight of this. I, I know I'm not what I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm growing just like you. And, and there are times which, which I, wh- whether I'm reading God's word or, or, or I'm out in our community and I do something, but just is so like Jesus, so not like who I used to be, but I go, Lord, thank you for giving me insight into what you're doing inside of me. Ever been there? Someone once asked me, do you ever get surprised when you do something wrong? This was years ago. And I said, at this point in life, I just get surprised when I do something right. And I give all the praise to Jesus. And I find the more I walk with him, the more I am surprised by his goodness that flows out of me. I know it's him in me. But there are times, too, where I do have the holy ouch moments, not just by reading scripture. And I'm so thankful that I can come to the Lord and say, Lord, I know you're working in me. Will you refine that area of my life too? Will you just help me be more like you? Again, not to earn anything because he's already given me everything, but because I love him and because he's just loved me so much. It's like, what do you give to God who has everything? You, me. Lord, you have everything. Take all of me. And James writes, he says, so, Be unstained by the world. That word unstained, unstained by the world, unstained, literally means without stain. No more complicated than that. Don't be stained by it. But the word world, we have to define. Because sometimes in scripture, the world means people. Sometimes it means geographical location, but James doesn't mean that here. It's a different meaning. Here, world refers to anything and everything at odds with the lordship of Jesus in our lives. In other words, culture. What's meant by personal holiness? Well, personal holiness is the believer, by the Spirit's help, loving God with their whole being, becoming increasingly like Christ, sharing his character, his love, and his mission. So the implication is clear. We're to be more like Jesus and not let the culture of the world squeeze us into its mold. Think about that, Romans 12, 2. 
Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, it's Philip's translation. Quotes that verse, translates that verse. How easy it is for us to live in this world and to think that if we compare ourselves to it, that we're better off than we really are. John writes in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Again, it's far too easy as a professing Christian to live a life that compared to society seems to be, avo- to be avoid of, of pitfalls of sin, yet does not reflect Christ. Nor is it discernibly different from those who are, do not know the Lord. I mean, we, we can get on social media. Yeah, I'm going to go there for a minute. And we can go, yes, I responded, but I don't respond as bad as them. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, I entered into that conversation, but I wasn't as, as depressed as they were. Yeah, I don't like that person either, but I don't treat them at least as bad as so-and-so does. And James says, listen, if you're in Christ, being formed in Christ, but you don't compare yourself to, to the world, you compare yourself to the word. And if you compare yourself to the word and say, Lord, please have me, then not only are your words going to be different from the world, they're going to speak life to the world. They're going to care for the people around you in the world. You're going to be a different person with a different priority in your life. You're going to live in such a way that literally, not only will you pray, Lord, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but you're going to be an answer to that prayer. In the places where you live and where you go to school and where you work and where you play. That's genuine religion. That flows out of a relationship with the living God. Not that we're always perfect in it, as I've already shared, but being perfected in it. Amen, church? Not where we're looking at the world and expecting them to live like those who have the job description of those who are in Christ, but those in Christ loving the world so that they too will want to be a part of what we have in him. The world is a messed up place, but let me let you know a little secret. It has been forever since the time of Adam and Eve when sin entered the world, right? Every generation thought their generation was the worst. This is the worst. The truth of the matter is we just know all the worst all over because we're so connected. Did you catch that? I mean, if, if there's not bad news on the news, do you realize they find bad news elsewhere? Have you ever looked at that? And I thought, oh my goodness, that's happening where? I think it's local. And I go, it's not even local. It's not in my state. And I go, oh my goodness, it's not even in my country. Like they'll find it, man. They'll find it. And the reality of it is, I know what it is. It's a result of sin. We live in a fallen world, but I also know the solution. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that gives you joy in the midst of all circumstances, allows you to speak words of life, not death, and allows you to help for those who need help. It allows you to be transformed, as Paul says to the Galatians. Don't allow yourself to let the culture rob from you the joy that Christ has given you. He has come that you will be free, so live as people who are free. Express the love of God for Christ's sake. Jesus, John 17, it's recorded for us. I love this. In John 17, we find what's called the high priestly prayer. We call it that. Jesus is praying in a high priestly prayer over his disciples. And he says something really interesting here. I love this. 
He says, I don't just pray for you, I pray for those who will come after you. Which means 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I'm gonna pray for you, Craig. And I'm gonna pray for you. And what is, what is part of what Jesus prayed for us? John 17, 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. I don't pray that you take them out of the world, out of the culture, out of, out of this place in which they exist, but that you keep them from the evil one. We're to live in the world, but not be of it. In other words, we're to love the world of people. Did you catch that? Jesus died for us. We're to love the world of people, but we're to hate the world's system, which robs us of the joy of Christ and the one whom we've placed our faith in. How do we do that? We allow God to transform our thinking, to transform our lives, to transform our perspective. A mark of genuine religion is personal holiness. Genuine religion must be carried out in action. And so he shares us these three marks. There are others, but I find these three challenging enough. How about you? Control your tongue. Speak words of life, not death. Think about that today as you're in conversations. Be involved in caring ministry. Care for those around you. From the little things to the big things. Let God stretch you in this. When you think you don't have enough and God says step out, realize you might not, but he does and he'll give you everything you need. Have you found that to be true, church? I assume so because we're all sitting here. And then thirdly, a growing personal holiness. Less of me, Lord God, more of you. Galatians, Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I find that really challenging. It doesn't mean you lose your personality. We all still will be the unique us we are, like it or not. But we'll be the redeemed uniqueness that we are. Us in Christ form. Isn't that amazing? You say, how do you know? Because read the New Testament writers. Read all the biblical writers. They all show their personality, do they not? Every book is different. Each of the four Gospels are written differently. In fact, there's a whole personality test on the four Gospels. I love it. I said, that's ridiculous. A friend showed it to me. I said, you don't know my personality, but which Gospel I like? That's just ridiculous. He goes, which one do you like? I said, John. He goes, this is not your personality. I went, got me. It's weird to think about that. God redeems us, but he doesn't take us out of the world. He redeems us, but he doesn't take away our ability to be unique. He redeems us so we can speak words of life and make a difference in the lives of others and find ourselves more and more securely in that freedom that he's given us in Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning, have you received Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you earned that relationship which you've been created to be in? If not, maybe now, whether you're here on this campus or, or at home in the quietness of your heart, maybe that's the decision that, that God's calling you to make right now. For those of us who are walking with Jesus, a message like this, I don't know, maybe challenging to you, it's challenging me to preach it. 
I, even as I share the words to you, I go, oh my goodness, that conversation, I could have done better. That You get the point. But it's not about beating myself up. It's about giving myself more fully to the Lord, isn't it? Saying, Lord, thank you for accepting me as I am and continue to make me more like you. So wherever you find yourself, won't you take the next step that God's calling you to take with him by faith? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for loving this work in progress. For taking me as I was and continue to work in me as I am. To make me more and more the person you've created me to be in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for anyone, Lord God, whether they be here on this campus or, or participating online who's yet to receive you as Lord and Savior, that perhaps now, this very moment, Lord God, they would make that decision. Lord, we thank you for, for dying for our sins on the cross, for being resurrected for our salvation, for that when you ascended to, ascended to heaven, Lord God, to prepare a place for us, that you filled us with your very spirit. But not only is the resources of heaven at our disposal, but a power exists within us as your followers that's, that's greater than any power any man or woman has ever created on planet Earth. Accessible to us as we walk in step with you. So Father God, if anyone's made that commitment this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage them that all of heaven, we're told, rejoices, celebrates when a person makes that decision. And we do as well. But as they enter into that relationship with you, they don't walk alone. Most importantly, they walk with you as our Heavenly Father. And Lord, we as a church family are here for each other. And so they don't walk alone. We're here for one another. Father, I pray for us as Crosswinds. We thank you for blessing our gathering as we've come and put your glory on display, hearing the testimonies of people, the work in Zambia we get to be a part of, the lives that you're changing here. Praying for those who, Lord God, are going through difficult times as, as already happened on this campus this morning. Speaking words of life to one another. Helping each other. Lord, would you take that which has happened in our gathering and would you allow it to happen as we scatter throughout this region? That Lord, not only would we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on this region in which we live, but Lord, that we would be used by you to see your spirit move across this region, to bring life to people, to transform people, to transform our culture. I believe it's not only your desire, but you're going to do it. And it begins with us. It begins with me. So have your way, I pray. Thank you for loving us so completely. And thank you for giving us this amazing ability to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen.